Welcome to the Mom Worthy Podcast. This is Brittany. This is Sam. Grab your coffee or your wine and come hang out with us. Hey guys. Hey. So we just had uh, Sarah, Dr. Sarah Mitchell on, from, who is a sleep consultant from Helping Babies Sleep. And she has a school mm-hmm. and she also does um, online consultations and has a group for her online membership for her sleep training. And I got to say, I was a little hesitant to have her on, as you know, because I I never was for sleep training. I'm not against anybody who ever did it. But for me personally, it just didn't go with my parenting style. Um, But when we looked into her, I liked that she was more about a gentle approach. Yeah. Um, So she did have a lot of really good information. And I do agree with a lot of the things that she said. And a lot of the, um, she gave three tips, which are all great tips as well. Yep. Uh, and you, I know, had a different experience, too, when you were, yeah. I guess, in the newborn phases. In the Yeah, middle. I mean, my baby was never a great sleeper. I breastfed, and I was just exhausted. I was getting no sleep. He was feeding all night long. I was having to get up and go to work. It was getting dangerous driving places because I was so exhausted and just burning the candle at both ends. So I had to do something. I had to figure out his sleep because I just couldn't survive anymore. And a lot of things that she said were things that I did. Mm-hmm. You know, her tips were the three tips that I did. And I and I think those are some things, too, that people don't even realize it's it's training, sleep training. Because like, I, I did like a very set schedule. I went off of sleep cues. I didn't wasn't just like free for all. You yes. sleep when you want to. Yes. You know, so I think sh- the things that she said could be re- very helpful, especially for new parents yes. um, or anybody who has a new baby at home that's having trouble sleeping. Yeah. I think this could be really helpful and beneficial. So we hope you enjoy this episode. We really liked it. We love chatting with Sarah. Um, here's our talk with Dr. Sarah Mitchell of Helping Babies Sleep. Enjoy. Hi, guys. Hi. Yes. Oh, my God. It worked. Yay. Yay. <laughs> well, thank you so much for meeting with us. We are so excited to chat with you today. I know. Me too. I love you guys. I was listening to a couple other episodes yesterday and uh, yeah. Yeah. The vagina whisperer one I was listening to yesterday too, which is so fun (laughs) because one one. of my best friends went to school with her. So I'm like, oh "Oh my God, it's such a small world. Yeah. So super fun. We know we don't have a lot of time with you, so we want to get to the good stuff, but can you tell us just like introduce yourself, let people know who you are and what you do exactly? Oh, yeah. So I'm hi, I'm Dr. Sarah Mitchell. I'm a (laughs) chiropractor by training, but I really found my passion for empowering other parents when my own son just would not sleep. And I was so shocked by this because I was so overconfident in so many ways. I had eight years of healthcare education. I was like, this should be a breeze. And, you know, I've been helping parents teach their little ones to sleep in, you know, the most gentle and compassionate way since 2013. And over the years, I've gotten so philosophical about it because really what it is, is that we think that getting our kids to sleep should be this natural, beautiful, effortless, instinctual thing. And unfortunately, that is really a myth. It doesn't always work out that way for a lot of people. And so, yeah, I'm, that's what I do. I'm based in Mountain View, California. My kids now are almost seven and nine and parenting really is a journey like you just keep learning at every stage as you gals definitely know 
I can I can relate to that. I expected my my son to be a natural sleeper, and he fought that tooth and nail for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if there's one thing people are listening today, here's the one phrase I want you to remember, because it puts things. It's kind of like an aha moment when you hear this. Is that the drive to sleep is biological, but the way we sleep is actually a learned habit. And if you think about yourself, you have a little routine that you do every night, kind of cueing your body that it's sleep time. You crawl into bed, you find your favorite position, and you can relax your mind to drift off into sleep. And if I told you tonight that you couldn't sleep in that favorite position anymore, like you being a complex human being, you would adapt and you would figure it out, but it might take you a little bit of time, which kind of like proves my point that it is a, a learned a learned behavior and we don't really think about that right yeah that's very true so mm-hmm. so what are some of the approaches that you take and, and do you do certain age groups is it different for ages and where do you get started yeah so I help parents from birth until about age four and the newborn stage is really just about helping you hone your parenting skills it's not about any tears it's about figuring out okay What does my baby need at this age as far as feedings and when kids need to be back asleep? That's like, that's a huge thing that I didn't realize is that it's like my job to know when my kiddo needs to go to sleep. And they kind of dupe us those first couple of weeks, right? Because they, all they do is eat and then fall right back asleep. And you think, oh, okay, they just know when they need to go to sleep, but they don't necessarily know. So I teach a newborn class that's all about like prevention and helping you be a sleep detective to figure out why it's not going so well and establish healthy habits to help guide you through the months because I mean there's nothing more adorable and fulfilling than having your baby nap on you but that can be really hard to maintain long term so how can we help you establish other ways that you can get your little one to fall asleep Um, and then I work with um, up to age four and it's definitely different for everyone Um, I, I think that this this journey in your parenting of trying to figure out how to get your little one to sleep is really the first step in like figuring out who your little person actually is because um we think like I thought like my little person would kind of just like respond to whatever I implemented and that's not always the case we have to figure out who who your kiddo is what's their temperament does touch help them or does touch make them crazy because they're so mad that you're not picking them up and you're so close and so my philosophy is I want my, I, I practice like rye parenting. I want my child to know that they've been heard and understood, but at the same time, it's I'm in charge of their health and well-being, and I have to have some some boundaries that I'm going to communicate to them and then talk them through, essentially. Even at the young ages, I still talk to my, like even the month, five-month-olds, I'm like, tell them what's going to happen, and then follow through on that. Um, so that being all said, though, you guys know this already, like whenever we try and change the way something looks to our little person, there can be some tears as they protest change, or they say, hey, I have no idea what to do with myself right now, because you just took away that pacifier. And to me, that pacifier means sleep. I don't know what's going on now. Um, And how do you comfort those tears um, to let your child know that it's okay, and then help them, you know, establish some new habits. So does that does that make sense to you? It does. It does. I'm, I'm, I definitely, it all makes sense and connects. I'm just really curious to kind of see your methodology, you know, behind actually getting them to sleep. Cause I don't know if, you know, in some episodes we've touched on it, but like Brittany did no sleep training at all mm-hmm. with her kid <clears throat> until mm-hmm. they were done breastfeeding and then they naturally slept through the night. They did. Yeah. So and- all three of my kids would not sleep through the night until I was done nursing them. But now I have, they're all, my youngest is now, uh, 
almost two and they all are great sleepers i'll fall asleep on their own and sleep through the night thank thankfully for yeah me. yeah with and, training. but i know for- that you even say on your website yours is it more training it's consult you're you don't like to consider yourself a training right like more of a consultant oh I hate that I hate the term sleep training overall yes I saw that and I, I like I hate that, that. About this, so like we train dogs but we're teaching our kids like this being able to relax yourself down into sleep is a skill right you have to learn and I I think there's a million ways to raise your kiddos and you know having nursing to sleep if that works for you amazing like that is awesome and that is so such a beautiful thing but there's a lot of people that that actually doesn't really work very well for and I was one of those people right where he woke up like that before too like I I was a stay-at-home mom for me I I just cherish those first that first year where I could do that but I could understand like if I had a full-time job working in the morning I wouldn't be able to do that and that was my situation I work outside the home and I work full-time and I did nurse my son past a year as well but I couldn't keep nursing him to sleep Mm -hmm. because I was getting no sleep and I was running the candle, you know, on both ends. So I did some gentle sleep training with my son. So that's why I'm super curious to kind of see your method because I don't think I did it the best way. (laughs) Because like I was too afraid to let him really cry and I probably sent him so many mixed signals. Um, so I am yeah. really interested to hear what you have to say for next round. <laughs> well, right. Well, it varies child to child because your child's temperament really does play a piece into it. But I, you, you picked up on something, you mentioned something there that's so important is consistency, right? How does my child learn? If I can show them that sleep happens a certain way at every single wake up and put down and, and nap, that's consistent. And that makes it easier for them to learn and figure out what's going on. I think where a lot of people get off track is they do have a different approach at different things at different times. So at bedtime, maybe they nurse into sleep, but in the middle of the night, they're trying to do cry it out. Like that's not going to work mm-hmm. because you're trying to teach something new in the middle of the night. That's too hard for everyone involved, mom mm-hmm. and kiddo. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and the other thing is like cry it out or fervor or like, what do all these things really mean to you? Because people have wildly different definitions of what cry it out is and what is sleeping through the night, right? And the newborn stage, a lot of people, it's six hours. That's amazing if you're getting that in the newborn stage. But then after like, let's say five months, you know, um, what what is sleeping through the night? Is it 11 hours with feeding twice or three times? Or is it, you know, eight hours with no feeding? And to me, sleeping through the night is 11 hours without feeding and without having really needing to be rocked or get that pacifier reinsert, reinserted. And I, I think I'm pretty conservative um, about that just because I understand the human body so well. And I sit on the board of the Mother's Milk Bank of San Jose. And I think like exclusively breastfed kids, it's very average that they still have one night feed by eight or until eight or nine months, which is not the popular consensus out there. I don't think I see a lot of things like if he's 13 pounds and you know, um, more than four months, he can sleep through the night without eating. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know about that. Like mm-hmm. maybe formula. Yes. But for the average breastfed kiddo with only breast milk, like I feel like those statements set a lot of people up to fail. I feel like there's a lot of that out there. Same with the seven to seven. Um, have you heard about that? Like you know, no. 7 p.m. 7 a.m. Oh, okay. Well, that's commonly touted as like success. And I think that is more of a a unicorn mm-hmm. most kids are 11 hours sleepers and if you have a 12 hour sleeper like woo, you know do a victory lap around the bedroom because that is unique it's not it's not average by any means 
Um, so my approach is like, I, in general, I like to start people with um, the most gentle method. But here's the other thing. Sleep teaching isn't just about picking a method. It's all about making sure that you understand what your child's needs are in terms of the amount of sleep, the awake windows and food by age, right? So like a five month old will have different needs than a nine month old would. And a nine month old will have different needs than like a 17 month old will. So are you setting your baby up for success with the timing of sleep? So knowing when bedtime should be, I would say like one of the number one um, places people get derailed is with bedtime. They have this set bedtime because they want this like seven to seven schedule or dad doesn't get home till 645. So we don't do bedtime until eight o'clock. But really, like if your kiddo is, you know, up for, let's say you have a six month old who can generally only stay awake about two and a half hours before it starts to get harder to get them to fall asleep and then stay asleep. If that kiddo is now awake for four hours before bed, you can count on it being harder for them to fall asleep at night and then needing you more in the night, right? Hmm. So so when I'm looking at each case, um, you know, yes, I have general strategies that I can implement, but I want to know, like, what is the age? What is the food source? Because formula also plays a role in things. Um, and even just bottle feeding can give a parent more confidence about how many ounces the kiddo has had. And then how can we set you and your family up for success with timing of feeding, timing of sleep? And then we talk about which method should we be working on depending on your child's age. Um, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely agree with that with my son. You know, I've noticed that if I keep him past like try to keep him up longer when he's tired for whatever reason I'm out and about, you know, I can't get him down. I always notice that his sleep is worse off. Um, and, yeah. and one thing I noticed though, too, is that, you know, you know, in my situation, family pressure mm -hmm. to force them to stay up later. And I try oh to convince them like, I can't do it. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. not going to break my routine. Because That's how we, I am. I think routine is one of the biggest keys to everything. I've be always been about routine, same bedtime every night, yeah. and just going off their sleep cues too. And they even look a little bit tired. Any of those sleep cues, it's time for bed. So I even yeah, think moms so who have already sleep trained can gain from even that insight because mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes we have a hard time standing up for ourselves and that could be a, a you know a thing to give you justification to stand up like nope this is bedtime we're going so what is what exactly is it that you have is it a course that you have offer is it phone consulting or what is what can people find on your website yeah so i do high touch one-to-one -one private consulting with home visits or virtual consultations across north america i oh, even wow. have people from australia and england sometimes wow. um, that's really high touch like i'm like their app for a couple of weeks while we really make it personalized and i observe how your child's responding to our initial plan and then we we change it up if the, you, they're not succeeding to the level that i think they should be and then the other option is i i launched um, helping babies sleep school which is online classes for for birth newborn until age four okay. and then it's a monthly membership and the real important part about that is I give you the tools but then I have found that people always have follow-up questions because your baby is unique mm -hmm. and so with that membership I have a private Facebook group where I go live twice a week and take everyone's questions okay. so that they're in a, a community with like-minded parents because you know going back to your point like there's a lot of shame out there about like sleep I call it I was sleep shamed I was mm -hmm. sleep shamed by my 
you know, friends or in-laws or parents of like, oh, he can stay up a little bit longer because they want to see him. And I appreciate yeah. that. And I don't mind doing it maybe every once in a while, but it also depends on what went on that day yeah. and how much longer they want us to be there because I am in charge of this little guy's um, health and well-being. Like I'm the CEO and I make the decisions. And I I definitely think that can be really hard at the, at the beginning. Like I think I emailed you guys like, you know, I love the, I love the mom worthiness because I feel like I definitely am someone who struggled along the way with kind of those self-worth things. And in a way, sometimes I think I enjoyed the beginning, at the beginning, the need to be needed yeah. by my kiddo, you know, and like waking up multiple times at night. Like I felt like I was really meeting his needs and, and it was working un until it just wasn't. And I hear that a lot. It was working until it wasn't. And yeah, yes, it's true because they change and they become you know, little people and have more preferences and whatnot. But yes, as far as like the whole, like you got to stay for Christmas dinner and you can't leave until nine o'clock. It's like, well, how can we work around that? Could we bring the pack and play and put him down at his regular time and get him used to the pack and play maybe before we do that the first day. And, um, and just, you know, I think that's one of the journeys of parenting, like where you, where you start caring less and less about what people think, because you know that what works for you and your family don't yeah, you think so important yes you yeah. have to stop caring what people think or it will drive you mad yep. it will. as a mother and just and just make your anxiety and potentially depression even worse absolutely and I think some of the mom shaming like the way I look at it is like here I am I'm now CEO of the most important job I've ever had which has the greatest benefits and like all these endorphins um, and then you hear about but you also have like no training and sometimes very little support you know um, and then you hear about somebody doing some, but something or parenting in a different way and maybe getting, you know, quote unquote, better results. And that can give a gal some serious self-doubt, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes to shut those voices down, we criticize the other person, right? I'm not saying that any of us did that, but like, that's kind of generally what I see a lot of, especially in these mom groups. Like when you have these women being like, oh my God, I'm so tired. Like, what do I do? Like, how do I get more sleep? And you get, you know, a lot of people just slam them down like it's a short time. You should never let them cry. It's like, wow, that lady has needs. And she just like really spoke up. Like that's an interesting conversation that's happening. Oh, so. for sure. Social media is where most of it, I feel like the shaming happens. Even, yeah. if it, even if it's not direct, people see other people's mm -hmm. remarks about different methods. of is it, People are very passionate about sleep. It's really fascinating. I had no idea before I had kids about what a controversial subject it really is. Um, I'm sure you guys have noticed that too. Oh, oh for sure. yes. Yes. But yeah. we try really hard. Like, obviously we have our own opinions. I don't think that you can fully shut those down in yeah. your mind as much as you try. Um, mm -hmm. but Brent and I are so big on just everybody's doing it differently and that's okay. And we do mm -hmm. things differently and yep. we don't get offended with each other when we yep. don't agree with the way that we do it. And I think that's the biggest thing is like the conversation, having talking about it and being okay with everybody, everybody's way of parenting. That's yeah. their, that's their, Absolutely. That's, like you said, you're the CEO and everyone's going to run it differently. I know. I wrote yeah. that quote down. I'm the CEO and I make the decisions. Yeah. I'm going to use that quote somehow. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I'm curious, yeah. you know, what are, Obviously, you have these resources that our listeners can go to, like your website and your course and everything like that. But do you have any like really good tips that you're able to provide to them now? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I've been blogging about sleep since 2013. So there's also a ton of resources on my website. And you can take my sleep quiz too. It'll ask you your baby's age and your sleep habits and give you like a personalized response on like a high five of what's going well for you and like one gentle tip. Okay. But right now my first let's see my top three tips would be if you're feeling really overwhelmed with sleep. um, My first tip would be figure out what your child's awake time is. So we'll work on timing of sleep. Am I keeping my baby up too long? Or in some cases, I even see people who are trying to put their kids down too soon. So mm-hmm. we all have a sleep drive. It's a pressure, like pressure buildup. And it's a buildup of a protein in your blood that signals your brain when it's time to sleep. So those are awake times are based on that. So like I mentioned before, a six month old, it's about two and a half hours. Um, For a nine month old, it's about three hours. And so you want to be putting your baby down before that time has elapsed in general for the average kiddo. Start with that. And that includes your naps and your bedtimes. Um, The second thing would be start logging your sleep. So start looking at when you're feeding and when your baby's sleeping. And and that can start to give you a little bit of control. And you can start to see patterns. Because I know when I did that, I thought I was feeding him like every three hours at four months. And when I looked at it, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going anywhere from an hour and a half to maybe 2.15. Like, I am, he is snacking. Like, I am feeding him all the time. And that's when I kind of realized, like, oh, I'm missing the root cause of his fussiness, which was fatigue. And I was mistaking it for hunger, Mm -hmm. which I see very commonly in my practice as well. And what that does is over time, it kind of teaches kiddos that the boob is a soother. Not that there's anything wrong with that right? If it's working for you. But in my case, it just wasn't working because we're nursing every couple hours, like 24, 24, seven. So tip one is focus on learn what the awake times are. And that's in my sleep quiz too, if you want to enter for that. The second thing would be log your sleep and your feeding patterns to figure out what's going on. So you can start to differentiate between the cues because I do find like overtired kids, especially the the sleepy signs can be kind of hard to read. Um, They get easier once your kiddo is more well rested. But at the beginning, um, they're hard. And then the third would third thing would be, um, you know, figure out what your quote unquote sleep crutch is. And a sleep crutch is something external that helps your baby relax into sleep. And the reason it's a crutch is that they have they lean on it and they can't put themselves to sleep independently. So for the most common one is nursing to sleep bottle feeding to sleep. And I say to sleep, but I actually mean to drowsy. So the whole drowsy but awake. Have you guys heard that term before? put them down drowsy but awake right Mm -hmm. that works wonderful for a lot of people but those of us that have struggled with sleep it can be like part of the problem is that if I've made him drowsy that means that if he when he wakes up in the night like all humans do he's going to call for me to repeat that feeling and so what is my sleep crutch is is a bottle feeding nursing a pacifier being rocked or even just being laid beside can be very very relaxing so what is it exactly so so it's basically the first step is really analyzing your situation to figure out why. What I what I discourage people from doing is like they're struggling with sleep one night, they're struggling with sleep and they're like, that's it. I'm just going to let them cry. And they close the door and they just let them cry. It's like, I totally get that. That's like, you know, in the in the toddler and preschooler years, it's like that buildup of, you know, frustration that leads to yelling, yeah. if you will. Right. It's desperation. Um, but you set yourself up to probably not be that successful because you have no roadmap. You have no plan for where it's going and it's out of a place of desperation rather than like proactive. And you want to be calm and, um, calm and patient when you go to do this, because it really is a mind flip when you decide that you're going to work on sleep teaching. The idea was that, you know, you're shifting from, it's been my job to make you sleep. 
I've had to rock, pacify, all these things. And I'm shifting to a place where um, I'm setting you up for success with the timing of sleep and the messaging of sleep. And then I'm going to be calm and supportive and walk you through this process because I know you can do it. And I can't make you sleep anymore. All I can do is be here, let you know you've been heard, reassured, but I know you can do this. So I hope, I hope those three tips help. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's hard when you, when you have a kid, you, you forget a lot because you're exhausted Mm -hmm. and you're really busy. Mm -hmm. And, And when you just spoke, your number two tip with the logging sleep and logging the feedings, it brought me back to that is what started helping me figure out my son more and what his needs were. I, I started logging every time, you know, yeah. we did any type of activity. And after like a week or two, I could see the patterns. And it was the first time that I really started to understand his sleep cues, you know, mm-hmm. because I started mm-hmm. seeing the pattern. I'm like, okay, he's, he's been up for two hours. Oh, okay. You know, that, yeah. that, you know, action that he did is a sleep cue. Like I get it. And yeah. It was a lifesaver, you know, like yeah, so my valuable. son was getting up like every hour. He was having the witching hour. He was fighting sleep. And it mm-hmm. was, I just didn't know him. I didn't know what he needed from me. I didn't understand his, his language. Right. And, and the instinct is to mute the tears. Like naturally that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, I, I, I just got to do whatever it takes to stop these right now. Um, which I think is a valuable instinct, especially in through those newborn stages. Absolutely. But there comes a time where that for most people that doesn't work anymore. Right. And you're like, like you said, being a detective, trying to figure out these patterns, what does this body language mean? And that's the stuff I I love to teach people on the newborn stage because you can set yourself up for such a more enjoyable or a uh, smoother experience, not necessarily more enjoyable, but a smoother experience when it comes to sleep. If you can learn how to be that detective earlier on. And one of the tips in my newborn class is be an observer. So if you're trying something new, like, can you give it three to five minutes to work? Because often what happens is we, you know, we try putting them down, maybe more calm, but awake. That's my term. Put them down calm, but awake. Forget drowsy because drowsy is setting you up down that path of doing the work for them. So you put, can you put them down calm but awake and be there with them and gently be rubbing and, and kind of stroking their hair or jiggling them a little bit to fall asleep, right? And while you're there, can you be an observer? Can you notice the body language? What are their hands doing? What is their, are they squirming a lot? Does that indicate gas? Did you, get a, did you pick them up and burp them? Oh, a burp came out. Oh, maybe that squiggly behavior is correlated with being uncomfortable and needing to burp. But if I had been like in my instinctual, you know, reactive mode, it would have been like, put her down. Oh, she's fussing. Oh, I better pick her up. And I miss the root cause of what was bugging her with just, you know, shaving two minutes off of that experience. And now I'm like, you know, now I'm spending more time trying to figure out what that is. So be an observer. That reminds me of when I was trying to figure out my son. I, I read a lot and it there's I think it's the French call it le pause. Yes. And it's the pause to do exactly what you were just saying. And that taught me a lot too, was just to pause even for 30 seconds to a minute and observe what's going on before I emotionally yes. react. Yes, such a good point. I love that book. It's Pamela Druckerman bringing up Bebe. That's a great <laughs> read for anybody out there. Great book. <laughs> And I think they call it Lipaz. <laughs> I yes. remember that. Lipaz. <laughs> yes. Lipaz. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, and, so and I know I- that you have a meeting coming up. Is there anything else that you think our listeners would really benefit from hearing from your expertise? 
Well, I would just like to tell them that I had, you know, eight years of health education. And I remember going to my doctor and saying like, oh, my God, help me. How do I how do I get my baby to sleep? And she kind of said, oh, just enjoy your baby. You know, and I remember thinking, I, I can't like I am so tired. And now I realize I had postpartum anxiety. Um, and later I learned, you know, she didn't know she had two year olds at home that still didn't sleep. So she didn't really have that advice for me. And point being with this story is here are two well-educated healthcare practitioners that didn't get to didn't know how to get their kids to sleep. And so I want to relieve you from any guilt of thinking that you should know what to do and that it's more work than we think it, it should be, per se. But you will figure it out and in your own special way and don't give up and also don't forget that you are an important too, important person too in that relationship right and we've all had different experiences but when we feel like we need to work on sleep and you'll know when the time is right for you definitely and I, I like what you said like you both were educated health professionals and sometimes people will go to their pediatrician for advice and maybe that's not the best place to go all the time we always say this because Sometimes yeah. it's okay to go to the professional, like you're a sleep professional now. People can go to people like you who've done the studies and looked into this further. And I think it's important to know that. Yeah. And I think pediatricians, there's a whole wide variety of them. I get a lot of people come from their pediatrician where their pediatrician said, oh, just close the door and let them cry and they'll be mm -hmm. fine. Um, because that person has 15 minutes to talk to you about a yes. whole variety of issues. And, you know, that worked with you know, patient X, Y, and Z, Yeah. you know, but it might not be your philosophy or what's going to work with your kiddo. And, and that's okay. So yeah. yeah, definitely read, just keep reading. You'll find something that resonates with you. And where can our followers find you on social media and your website? Yeah. Instagram helping baby sleep. My website is helping baby sleep and my sleep school is helping babies sleep school. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you thank guys you, today. Sarah, thank you so much it. for having me. Well, yeah. thank and you everyone... so much. All right. Enjoy the rest well, have of your a... day. You too. Take care. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I know I did. Yeah, lots of good information. Um, if anybody ends up hitting her up and has success, share with us in, share with us in DMs or in the group, um, Momworthy Mamas. We know moms go in there all the time asking mm -hmm. for advice for sleep training or just sleep information. Everyone has different ways of doing it, though. That's the thing. That's why I like that she is going to make it specific to you and your kid. Yeah, so I do like that as well. And then if you guys want, like, she touched on it really briefly, but if you go to her website, there's a quiz that you can take, and she'll give you a quick little tip based off of your situation just to kind of give you a taste on, do you like her advice? Do you mm -hmm. want to maybe invest in more of her advice? And then also go to her Instagram because she's got a lot of tips on there as yeah. well that you can access for free. And um, what, while we, we talked about how moms get shamed for things, I want to touch on that for a second because I feel like it goes both ways with that too. I've seen moms in other groups say, you know, I'm doing this style of sleep training and my baby's crying and I just want to go pick her up. You can go pick her up. That's it's you're the CEO, as she said. Yeah. It's up to you. If you feel like you want to go comfort your baby, that's okay too. And that was my style of parenting. I like to go comfort them when I could. Um, because that was just for me, that made me less anxious. I think for the crying for me would have made me more anxious. But it could be opposite for people. Yeah. You know, they might not be able to do that. Everybody is different. Yep. So don't be afraid to do your own way. You do you. You do, you. as like Andrea Robinson. Yes, oh, God, I love her. I love her. I do love her. Um. <laughs>
And then I have an ask of you guys. Like, if this resonated with you and you have a mama that, you know, or a mom-to-be or a fresh mama, a mom, you know, that's struggling with her baby with sleep, share this episode. Share mm-hmm. the love. You know, if there's been an episode that's resonated with you, share that episode. And and also, if you could leave us a review. You know we love it. We always <laughs> ask it. We are all quarantined right now, so we haven't been able to have any guests in studio, but we're doing these all over the phone. If you have anybody you want us to invite on, let us know. Mm-hmm. We love good recommendations. A lot of people are at home right now and want to listen to other moms talk about things. So we'd love to have more mamas on. If you think you'd be a good fit for the podcast, send us a message or email. We'd love to get in contact with you. And uh, don't forget to join our Facebook group. And then we also have our other Facebook group, uh, Mom Worthy After Dark. You can imagine what's in there. (laughs) All good stuff. Thank you guys for listening. Bye. Bye.